when you step out in faith to do anything for God, look for the anointing, the power of God to come upon you when you do that. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through a series on the Holy Spirit. So, get ready to follow along in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. morning. If you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is where we're going to continue our study. Between the time that Jesus rose from the dead there at Passover, 50 days later was the day of Pentecost in which the Holy Spirit came and empowered people in a way that was only at times in the Old Testament that it would happen. There was the occasional Moseses and Elijahs and Elishas, but the second chapter of Acts, God gave his Holy Spirit to everyone that was called by his name. And that's what we're looking at today and what the Holy Spirit will do and what he won't do in our lives. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word today, we ask that your Holy Spirit now will just come. Come touch every single heart that's here, every single one that's listening, whether in this room or around the world, on the radio and internet and all those things. We just ask that we would never be the same after hearing your word. Your word changes us from the inside out. And so we ask you now that your Holy Spirit would now come in a special way. And Lord, manifest what you want manifested in our life, that you will do what you've called us to do, and God, that we'd be about your business and everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the greatest chapter written on love ever in the Bible, because it really demonstrates really what will happen when the Holy Spirit comes into the believer's life. You can have all kinds of manifestations of gifts. You can have all kinds of gifts. But the Bible says if you don't have love, you have become a clanging gong. Remember the gong show years ago that was on TV? They'd have people come up and on the TV screen, they'd have people do little different ditties and things like that. And then the panel of experts would give them the gong if it was uh, really bad. Well, the thing is, that's basically what happens. And notice it says in 1 Corinthians 13, chapter uh, chapter 13, it says, verse 1, Though I speak with tongue and the men of angels, but have not love, I have become a, the gong show. Well, when you look at this, it tells me something. Just being a Christian and being sp- filled with the Spirit doesn't keep us from getting out of what God wants for us. We have become, and I think it's really important that we morph into something that God does not want us to be. Why is that so important? Because if we continue in love, God uses love to correct that. I truly believe true evangelism 
is based upon love for people inspired by the Holy Spirit. I don't believe it's something that comes naturally. Because usually we're already depleted in our own sense. We're tired. We have our own issues in our own life. Somebody calls on the phone. They have things going on. And you go, what do you want? Well, that's the without love. That's the becoming the gong show. Well, I believe that when we're spirit-filled, though, God fills us with love. And as we see and as we do an overview of the study of, of the Gospels, we find that Jesus, the Bible says, having seen the multitudes, had compassion on them. I believe compassion is one of the key ingredients to true evangelism. Now, when we go to chapter 14, you'll notice how important it is because right between the two major books of the Bible, 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, the gifts of the Spirit and the use of them in the church, you find wedged between them this chapter on love. And then Paul goes back to love in chapter 14. He says, pursue love. The word in the Greek uh, for the word pursue means you run hard after it. And the word for love here is agape. So he says, Run hard after agape love. That's that deep, intimate fellowship that we have, first of all, with God, and second of all, with uh, our ministries that God has called us to do in people. And desire spiritual. Now, the word gifts, if you'll notice in your Bible, is italicized. And that means that the, 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 those that translated the Bible added that word in there to make it easier to understand. But it says, desire spirituals, things of the Spirit. You know, we can desire all kinds of things. But, you know, the Bible tells us to desire the things of the Spirit. And notice it says, especially that you may prophesy. Now, the word prophesy here in the original language doesn't necessarily mean foretelling an event, but it means literally to foretell under the anointing of God. You know, a lot of times people wonder, how do the gifts of the Spirit work? We read about them in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, these different gifts from uh, the gift of miracles, gift of healing, all these different gifts. How do they work? They work when we're engaged in what God wants us to do. You know, a lot of times we say, well, God, engage me and then I'll do something. God says, get engaged and then I'll empower you. (laughs) I like that. You see, in other words, it's when we're being about our Father's business, that's when God's Holy Spirit comes on us to do those things. You know, a lot of people have asked the question, well, I I feel sometimes inspired to go up and pray for somebody. Let me tell you something. First of all, that's not the devil telling you to do that. The devil doesn't tell you to go up and pray for somebody. So if God is unctioning you to become involved in somebody else's life or call them on the phone or whatever, be prepared to see the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, you as a believer, in that ministry. In other words, God enhances your ministry. What you do, you start off in the Spirit, and then God like supercharges you to do what you do. In other words, there's a way we can operate in the flesh without the power of God. And then when we're spirit-filled, when we operate in the spirit, when we do something that God told us to do, it's like God goes and really turns on the power. That's what you want to do. So whether it is whatever it is that we do for God, when you begin to do it, look for the unction or the empowering of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's funny that sometimes I've talked to people 
And they said, I have some people come to my door nicely dressed. And and they started talking about God and end times and everything like that. And then all of a sudden, I I just started quoting Bible verses I didn't even know I knew. I go, yep, that's it. That's the real deal. That's the Holy Spirit working. You see, the reason why is when you inject yourself into the things of the Spirit, God says, okay, we'll take it farther. Always look for God to do more than you think. That's the way God works. And that's the way God, in fact, they came to Jesus. They said, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit. And knowing that God always gives you more than you ask for, then he goes, and the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. He says, upon these two hang all the law and the prophets. So when I look at that, I realize that when you step out in faith to do anything for God, look for the anointing, the power of God to come upon you when you do that. Because see, a lot of times the church has gotten it backwards. Well, God, you empower me and then bring that person to me. God says, you step out in faith and I'll empower you. That's the way God works. In other words, God is the initiator that has inspired us to go talk to somebody or a group of people or whatever it might be. But then once we do that, then we see the power of God come upon us. And by the way, that's where I I believe true revival and true evangelism come from. Because oftentimes we get the cart before the horse. We want God to do something. It's the same way it is when we come to Christ. Well, God, show me you're real and I'll believe in you. God says, believe in me and I'll show you that I'm real. God has already made the first, the first um, uh, initiation. He's the one that's already reached out to us first. So again, as a Christian, and by the way, this takes your Christian experience from ordinary to extraordinary. You see, that's where, see, and, and I've often shared this with all of you, but I said, what is one thing you're doing in your life where you need to see the Holy Spirit become real and manifest so you can be that effective witness of God? Why was it, and I've shared this before as I was, um, I've got one of those little, those little things that read the Bible to you. I don't know if anybody's ever seen those. They sell them in the stores and stuff, and it just reads the Bible to you. And, and I thought, how cool is that? So I turned it on. I'm driving through Nevada. And everybody knows there's so much to do when you're driving through Nevada that I know it's hard to keep uh, concentration. But I, I turn this thing on, and I'm just listening to the Bible being read. And it's really weird how the Holy Spirit will minister to you in your spirit when you just listen to God's Word being read. And so I really want to encourage everybody, if you can, um, read your Bible. If you have trouble reading, maybe you're a slow reader, maybe you're a hard reader. I just want to invite you, then then get one of those things that'll read to you. They're cheap. They're like less than 40 bucks or something like that. But it's really great. And I was listening to the book of Acts and, and, and it came across where Simon the sorcerer offered money to the disciples to buy the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. See, Simon the sorcerer you know, magicians would get together and they would sell their secrets one to another to baffle and amaze the crowd. And so they went to Peter and he said, Peter, I want to buy this magic trick, this thing of the Holy Spirit that you got. Man, that is really cool. I want that. The Bible says they responded to him and they said, you and your money, your money perishes with you. 
because you thought you could buy the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit is a gift to anybody that's willing to receive it. But now that I got the gift of the Holy Spirit, what do I do with it? Again, when you step out in faith, whatever it is that we do, and without faith, it's impossible to please him. When I step out in faith, God empowers me to do what God's called me to do. Now, again, if you haven't tried that lately, I would just invite you, don't step out in your own self, but when you step out, say, Lord, okay, I feel that, you know, and, and you know, it's really funny, because we as Christians, when we, when we become born again, God speaks to us, and, and we're kind of like tuned into a, a new wavelength to hear God. And in that wavelength to hear God, sometimes when we get alone with the Lord and we pray, and, I, and, and I've shared this before, when you pray, pray, tell what God is on your heart. He likes to hear that. I know we feel better after we tell God, but then afterwards, be silent before the Lord and let God speak to you. God's got a lot of stuff he needs to tell us. Why? There's a big lost world. And you know what? When you're there and you're quiet before the Lord, you're going to start getting information from the supernatural realm, from God himself, on people to call, people to go see, people to pray for, people that you haven't thought of for years that all of a sudden you're going to be inspired to get a hold of. Why? Because they're going through things. Or that somebody will, will come in here. Lord, just guide me, open the doors, close the doors according to your will. And the thing is, you'll find all kinds of things that will happen, but not always that are pleasing to us. I remember one time, I've shared this before, but I had a washing machine. And the washing machine... The center part twisted off the bottom, and I, I fixed things, and so I tore it apart. And I go, well, I, I can see how this needs to be fixed. I just need to weld it, but I didn't have a welder at the time. So I took that down to a place where they weld. And I was kind of mad, because this thing was brand new. I just hadn't used it much, and, and here it was bad, and I was complaining and grumbling, and I took this thing apart, and I took it down, and when I took it down, I gave it to the guy, and while I'm there, the guy says, aren't you the pastor of, of church here? And I said, yeah. And he just started sharing his heart, the things that were going on in his family's life and everything like that. And I got to think and I go, God, if this thing hadn't twisted off, if this thing hadn't broken, I wouldn't have taken it down to him to meet him so I could minister to him. Thank you, Jesus. You see how God works. Nothing as a Christian happens to you by accident. You are God's child. You are God's property. God now has the title deed, the pink slip of your life that belongs to him. When you accept Christ as your savior, you're saying no longer I live, but Christ, you live within me. God turns his, his power over to you now to be guided and directed by his spirit. Before we were just guided by happenstance and pure luck. And even the luck that we would experience apart from Christ wasn't good because you go down and, you know, down there, you know, playing the tables and playing the slots and, oh, look at the money I won. And, oh, man, I got so much money, I'm going to go back and do it again and you lose it all. So even your good luck in the world can take away your eternity in Christ. But when you belong to God, God, the Bible tells us, directs our steps. The, the Bible says the footprints, the footprints of the righteous are, are, are by God. So nothing happens to you, me, by accident. So 
Again, somebody might say, well, Mike, you don't understand. I've really messed up in my life. I knew the Lord and I really messed up. What, what about me? What do you think we have the rest of the Bible for? Do you know the Bible in the Old Testament primarily and in the New as well? But Old Testament, we find the people who love God messed up and how God used them anyway. Look at King David. Boy, now there's somebody you want to look at. Boy, if I was writing the Bible and I was trying to make a real shiny book that nobody ever saw any of the flaws, I'd leave him out. What about Solomon? That guy as well. What about uh, Samson? Him as well. You know what's the funny thing about Samson? He fell in love with the uh, Gentile women. He was always, uh, uh, he told his parents, I want one of them heathen women. Samson was just offbeat. We know that he was a Nazarite. He had long hair. The secret of his power was in his hair. And we know that Delilah wanted to know what the secret of his strength was. And so he would tell her different things and he'd still have the strength until one time he revealed too much about himself and he did tell her the secret of his strength. Now, a lot of people think Delilah cut off Samson's hair, but if you read the scripture, you'll find that when he, she, he fell asleep on her lap, she called for the men and they came in and shaved his head. And she said, the Philistines are upon you. And Samson got up like he'd always done before. But this time he had no strength. And they grabbed him. They put his eyes out. They took him down to a place where they grind corn, where they had normally tie an oxen to. And around and around and around and around. I can just see his thought pattern going. How stupid I was. And we remembered that his hair began to grow again and his strength came back to him. King David, when he messed up with Bathsheba and killed her husband and then married her after having an affair with her, yet by, the Bible says that King David was a man after God's own heart. What is this about God? God's forgiveness. God's bigger than the things we've done wrong. So one of the things we have to remember is there's no excuse for we as his followers to say, well, God, I, I did this wrong. I did that wrong. Therefore, you can't use me. God says, look at what I've used in the Bible. God lays down a, a pretty good, a pretty good uh, a trophy box of goofballs that God continued to use. I got to put myself in that category as well at times. But what does God do? It isn't us doing it anyway. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. We either live by the empowering of the Holy Spirit or we don't. And if we're going to live by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that means when I step out in faith... Here comes God. And that's going to make the difference in a person's life. You might find yourself talking to somebody and the Holy Spirit will come on you and you'll start sharing things as illustrations. I remember one time in the city park when we were downtown and we used to have a Sunday night service in the park and we'd break up into little groups. And I was just sharing and I said, well, maybe you're here tonight. And, and uh, uh, you're, you're getting kicked out of your house tomorrow. You've lost your job and all your friends are telling you everything is going to be okay, but you know it's not. This girl sitting on the hood of a car on a front fender wasn't part of our group. She was just listening to me across the park, comes running, screaming, crying across. It's me. It's me. And I go, huh? I made that illustration up. 
No, you didn't. It was divinely put in your mind and your thought by God. When we live in the Spirit, we're directed by the Spirit. This is what he's saying. Pursue love. Run hard after agape and desire the spirituals in your Christian experience. That's what he's talking about. But that you may prophesy. That means to speak under the anointing of God. Forth tell is actually what the word is in the Greek. To proclaim under the anointing of God. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Now, again, people sometimes may or may not understand him. Generally speaking, they don't. And as Acts, we go back to Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came in the upper room and, and there was a fire above their heads and, and all kinds of supernatural signs, a sound of a, a rushing wind, and all these people came and they said, how is it that we hear everybody speaking in our hometown dialect? Now, the reason why there were so many different people there was it because it was Pentecost, one of the high holy days of the Jewish feast. And so the people had come from miles around to be there from different nations. And while they were there, they began to hear people speak in their hometown dialect. And they said, how is it that we hear these people all speaking? These people are Galileans. These guys are not educated people. How is it that we hear them speak in our language? And Peter stood up with the explanation. He said, they're not drunk with wine as you think, but they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, the point is, They're speaking mysteries. They're worshiping and glorifying God. But he who prophesies or foretells under the anointing of God speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. What is the one thing people need, do you think, right now in the world? Comfort. There's no comfort. You can get a bottle of Jack Daniels, Southern Comfort. It don't last very long. People need real comfort. Comfort that comes only from God. Because our hearts are, are, are rugged, like rugged mountaintops, all jagged. That's what they're like inside. And God says, I want to I minister to them. I want to bring comfort to them. One of the things the Bible says, oh, comfort ye my people. This is one of the things I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do. Now, I don't want people to feel comfortable in their sin. Because I can't just say, and this is the problem that a lot of churches make, where people will be, you know, in, in, in hot right sin, and, and, and somebody's saying, oh, don't worry about it, everything's going to be all right. No, it ain't going to be all right. And that's why I believe we find such, sometimes, the popularization of sin, not only in the church, but in the world. I understand it in the world. I don't understand it in church. But in the world, why do you, why do you think the... These different movements, the gay movement, and all these different things, to make sin normal. It's because they have a guilty conscience. And the guilty conscience that they have inside, they can't deal with. So if I can make my guilty conscience normal, everybody, I'll feel better about myself. That's the problem. We can't do that. We'll never feel good about sin. See, the problem is in our society today, we're making sin the normal. It wasn't that way a couple, 50 years ago in America. 
Uh, women had a fairly well-defined role. Men had a fairly defined role. Today, we don't even know what bathroom to go into. So we have a crisis in our nation. We have a crisis within the church because we want to make people feel good in their sin, and we can't. Conviction comes from God. Now, the only reason God would ever convict anyone is to forgive them. God just doesn't point out the sin and say, God says, I'm here to take it all away. I'm going to give you comfort like you've never known in your life. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.